Have you ever said to yourself, why can't I change? Why do I struggle with fill in the blank? My attitude, a certain behavior, my thoughts. Have you ever said to yourself, I don't see much of any progress. Why is it so hard to to change? You ever think that way? I'd be surprised today if anybody here has not had that experience at some point in their life. Because we're all humans. And as humans, in part, it means that we're going to struggle with ourselves. For example, let's get a little more specific. Some of you might be thinking, I thought by now I'd have control of my my anger. I keep blowing up and saying things and hurting people that I, I don't really want to do those things. Why can't I get control of my anger? Or they might say, you know... I go to church every Sunday, but I still have so many doubts. I, I, can't get, I can't get past these doubts. Why is my faith not growing? It might be an action or an addiction. I still get tempted by pornography. Why can't I give it up? Or maybe it's something to do with an attitude. I'm a bitter person, even though I cover it up most of the time. Why am I so bitter and and judgmental and and hard inside. As we continue our sermon series today through uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, we come to a very important passage regarding the Christian life. In Galatians, as we we discovered these past few weeks, is primarily a book about, about freedom. The freedom we have in Christ, freedom from trying to justify ourselves before God through good works, because at some level we know that's not going to work. Instead, Paul tells us, we are free through faith in Christ alone. We are justified through faith in Christ, free through that work, his work on the cross. But if this freedom, is is it only for the the next life? Only really useful when we stand before God on, on judgment day? Or does the freedom that we have in Christ, this freedom that Paul writes about, the freedom we talk about, Does it help us in this struggle with ourselves and with our sin and with the turmoil that's caused between the gap between who we are in reality and and who we want to be? Let's take a look and see at this at this passage. Let's take a look, starting now at verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Hmm. Now, now, Paul knew what it was to struggle with himself. Um, one of one of the, my favorite passages that Paul wrote is from Romans seven, not because it speaks about wonderful justification and the salvation we have and all the blessings. I love those passages, too. But Romans 7, I, I, I resonate with it because in that passage, he talks about the struggle that he has. And he says famously, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I, I do. It speaks to the struggle that we all have with ourselves. OK. So. This this passage that I just that we just was just read a few minutes ago. It's going to help us in part answer this question of why, why do I still struggle? 
Why can't I seem to to grow or improve? You know, we wish it would be easier. And I think part of the issue is that when many of us come to faith in Christ, we think it's going to solve a lot of our problems. That when we come and put our faith in Christ, that it's going to get easier, it's going to get better. And in some, some ways it does, but in many ways it doesn't happen that way. Often when called, God calls us to something, it's, it's, it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. For instance, when the children of Israel entered the promised land back in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Exodus and Numbers, God did not allow them to conquer it all at once. Now, part of that was due to their sin. Part of it was just due to the circumstances. There were lots of enemies in the hills of Canaan, and they were fighting. and There were giants and all sorts of things, and, and they had to fight for every inch of the promised land. And then for years afterwards, they had to, to fight to keep the promised land. It took them a very long time to possess the land, what God had promised to them. And I believe that's sort of a picture of the Christian life. In Christ, we are the inheritors of God's promises. Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, grace, mercy, love, hope, joy, peace, etc. And those are wonderful things, wonderful promises. And, and there is victory to be had. It's promised, but it will not come easily and it will not come quickly. The Bible makes it clear that we are in a, a spiritual battle against an enemy that will not easily yield ground. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we struggle with sin or temptation, issues in our lives as long as we live. So what does our text have to say about this? Well, the first thing it does is it acknowledges that this is a normal part of the Christian life. Struggle is a part of the a normal part of the Christian life. The Apostle Paul in several places alludes to this. He says things like we are to fight the good fight of the faith. We are to put on the whole armor of God. We are to stand in the evil day. We are to endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And verse 17 fits right into this, this, this theme. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. You know, in, uh, in pop culture, this idea of a battle going on within us is you see it a lot, uh, whether it's a movie or a sitcom or, or whatever. Uh, you'll have a character who's facing a dilemma. They have a big choice to make, a decision, and they can go one way or they can go the other. And, and they're struggling with this. And then there'll be a, a devil pop up on the shoulder and say, go for it. Do it. You know you want to. All sorts of rationalizations trying to convince the person to go down that path. And then the angel will pop up on the other shoulder and say, don't do it. You know you shouldn't do that. You know what this is going to lead to. You know you're going to hurt people. You know this is what's going to happen if you do this. And gives all sorts of reasons why you should go down a different path. And Paul says there are, these, there are two principles at work within us as human beings, as believers. One is called the flesh, and the other is called the spirit. And, and these two principles are in constant, unrelenting, unremitting antagonism to each other. Now, now the flesh is, is Paul's term for everything within us that is contrary to God's will. The, 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 the tendency within us to, to be selfish and to, and to hurt others and to look out only for our own needs and, and to try to call the shots in our own lives. Everything that is hostile to God. But then Paul says there's also within us the Spirit. And what that means is that when we come to Jesus Christ by faith, we become a new creature, a new creation. We're, we're born again and the Holy Spirit comes to, to live within us and through us. 
But even though the dominating power of the flesh is broken, the pull of evil still remains. As one writer put it, evil desires arise from the flesh like smoke from a chimney. Now, I draw several conclusions from this. Obvious ones, but we need to state them. The flesh and the spirit are fundamentally opposite. They do not and cannot cooperate in your life. The conflict between our flesh and our spirit, the spirit, is continual and it's inevitable. And that conflict produces conflicting desires, that turmoil in the believer. And so it is with the same mouth that we say, I love you to our children when we leave. Later in the day, it's the same mouth that can curse somebody when they cross us. And so it is that we can proclaim Christ and then turn around and lie to our friends. Or we can read the Bible and and then watch a dirty movie later that night. Or we can go to youth group and sing praise and go to school and gossip and bully. Or we can sing in the choir and then have an affair and so on and so forth. It varies from situation to situation, but all of us feel this struggle within us in one way or another. Now, a couple things to note. Sometimes people will come to me worrying that because they struggle with sin, that must mean that they're not a Christian. Now, certainly in situations like that, it's always important to, to make sure they understand what it means to put their faith in Christ and that they understand what it means to be saved through faith in Christ alone. But once you've determined that they do understand that and that they have put their faith in Christ, then you can address a few misconceptions about this. First, just because a person struggles with sin doesn't mean they're not a follower of Christ. They might be defeated or ineffective, but does not mean they're not a follower of Christ. In fact, this this struggle, this turmoil within us can be a sign that that we are children of God. Do you desire to be holy? Do you want to please the Lord? Do you feel guilty about the things that you do and and guilty about the things that you haven't become? Do you desire to, to live differently? If you answer yes, then I would suggest there's strong evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life trying to convict and, and, and guide and, 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 and set free uh, your person from things that hold you back. It shows that the Holy Spirit is at work in you and creating a dissatisfaction with the things the way, the way they are and a yearning for things to be different. Also, we must remember that our ongoing struggles... And temptations do not change our standing with God. We are still his children. We are not condemned and cut off because we struggle. The sin is in giving in, not in the fight itself. No one gets a a Christian life free from outward pressure and inward turmoil. And much as we like it, there is no spiritual experience that can magically propel us to a state of never sinning again. That will not happen until we reach heaven. And so between now and then, we are called to to walk the hard road, the narrow road, to take up our cross and to follow Christ and fight every day to stay on the right path, walking in the spirit. You might ask, why does it have to be this way? Why doesn't God just completely take away my desire to sin? I've got to admit there have been times I've asked that question. it's tough and that's a whole other sermon but for me for now here's a few thoughts we must remember that even though we don't always understand God's ways he always has our good in mind 
And he is always at work to grow us and to love us. His goal is to create for himself a people who love him and serve him with all, his heart, with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. So God is always at work in, this, in our lives, even if we don't always understand the process and the circumstances. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. In all things even in our struggles, maybe even especially in our struggles. You see, if you think about it, even in the struggles, God is at work, and even then there are good things that can come through them, benefits that can come through them. Here are a few things to consider. It reveals to us our, our need for Christ. It, it creates in us a, in a, a deeper appreciation for grace. It humbles us. It forces us to cry out to God for help. It reveals the uselessness of human effort apart from God's strength. It makes us long for heaven when we won't struggle with this stuff anymore. It forces us to lean on brothers and sisters in Christ to help us out. And it causes us to to love the Savior who, who, who delivers us from sin and loves us even when we continue to sin. I think verse 16 in Paul's choice of words tells us something very important about about following Jesus. In verse 16, Paul tells us to walk in the Spirit. Now, a few things about the Holy Spirit. I I know that Stephen's been going through the Holy Spirit with the youth, so we're not going to get into everything here, but just a few things for the rest of us. The Holy Spirit is a person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us from the moment of conversion. He creates in us a, a new desire He makes us a new person. He gives us the power to obey. And he he leads us to live like Jesus would. Now, Paul's point here is that what the law could not do, the Holy Spirit does. Our hope is not in rules and keeping the law, but in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling each and every believer. And it's through the power of the Spirit that we can begin to obey God more consistently in the midst of an ongoing struggle with sin. Now, the Greek word for walk is very ordinary. It basically means to walk from one place to the other. And, it's a, and Paul uses the present tense. It's an ongoing, keep walking, don't stop, keep following, a series of small steps in the same direction over a long period of time. It has the idea of of the Holy Spirit helping us grow as we rely upon him in our lives. So what would it look like, what would characterize a person's life if they were daily walking in the Spirit? Paul tells us, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And when we walk in the Holy Spirit, that means that we, our love for God and others grows. And it, it evidences itself in, in sacrifice and putting others' needs before our own. And when we're growing in, in joy, it means that our joy in life is not based upon circumstances. It's based upon a relationship with God and the presence of God on a daily basis. When we're growing in patience, we, 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 don't, we, we give people uh, time to grow and develop. We, we don't pressure them or criticize them or judge them, so on and so forth with all the other fruit. 
And so Paul here is, is, is using a contrast again. It's a very stark contrast to drive home a point about the Christian life. In verses 19 through 21, he lists actions and vices that come from the flesh. And here in verses 22 to 23, he, he lists uh, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, a life, what a life marked by, by the Holy Spirit would look like if they were letting the Holy Spirit control them. Now, clearly, there's a huge difference between the two, not just in their results, but in their origin. The first list, 19 through 21, comes from human striving and human sin. The second, the fruit, comes from the Holy Spirit. One leads to life, one leads to death. One leads to fulfillment, the other to restlessness and dissatisfaction. One leads to changed lives, the other to to frustrated and thwarted lives. And so in a nutshell, we produce the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit as we cooperate day by day with him. It's only as we surrender to Christ and allow his Spirit to fill us that we will consistently begin to see love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control at work in our lives. Our text then closes with three verses. And they lay before us the challenge of rejecting the flesh and living in the power of the Spirit. And so having shown us two ways that we can live, the flesh or the Spirit, Paul now shows us how we can choose the right path every day. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Now, this is the second time that Paul has used this imagery of, of, of being crucified with Christ. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have died and I've been crucified with Christ. But there's a, there's a difference in his phrasing. In 2.20, he says, we have been crucified with Christ. It's being done to us, with us, for us. But in Galatians 5.24, the onus is on us. He says, keep the, the flesh crucified. And what he means by this is that when we come to Christ, we are to, to die to ourselves, to put others' needs before our own, and to, to allow Christ to, to change us through his Holy Spirit. We are to nail our own will and desires and, and passions and temptations to the cross of Christ and make a break from them. I mean, that's what conversion is all about. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, Crucifixion was, in the New Testament, crucifixion was something that was done occasionally. And it was a, a means of death that was deliberately designed to send a message. It was, it was agonizing. It was slow. It was torturous. Sometimes the, the condemned would hang on the cross for days before they would finally succumb to death. The same is true with our flesh. Even though we crucified it when we came to Christ, it isn't dead yet. And our problem is, our real problem is, is that when the flesh calls to us, we like to go back to the cross, pull the nails, and begin to take it down again. This is where the part of what Jesus meant when he, he called his disciples. He said, take up your cross daily and follow me. We have died to sin, but we must die to sin each and every day. Uh, an image that has been helpful to me with this whole dying to self, uh, it comes from Martin Luther. And he compares this whole struggle with the flesh with a man's beard. 
He, to paraphrase him, he says, what happens when you shave on Monday? The beard grows back, right, on Tuesday. He says, what happens when you shave on Tuesday? It grows back on Wednesday. He says, if you stop shaving even for a few days, soon you're going to have stubble everywhere on your face. And then he concludes by saying, crucifying the flesh is like, is like taking a daily shave. If we are going to follow Christ, we must, if we want to see progress in our struggle with sin, we must be brutal with our flesh each and every day, dying to ourself, taking up Christ's cross and following him. Too many of us gaze longingly at the sin in our lives and then wonder why we, why we give in. There must be a ruthless and uncompromising rejection of sin. Every single day, by God's grace, we are to take the hammer of faith and the, and the nails of true conviction and hammer our flesh to the cross once again. Now, before I close, one word of caution. The flesh does not die easily. And it comes with all sorts of ways to keep itself alive. We can hear this call to die and to self, and we can hear this call to take up our cross, and we can determine to do that. And we can grit our teeth and work hard at it, but if we're not careful, it can subtly become our effort and our power and, and our strength. And we might find success for a while in this area, maybe even long term, but then we'll have a new struggle, pride judgmentalism, a sense of superiority. Each and every day, we are to take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. And the key to keeping it from becoming our own effort, our own strength, are Paul's words, walk in the Spirit. And that means through prayer daily, through ingesting God's Word daily, through worship and through service through Christian friendships and, and accountability, we are to walk daily with the Holy Spirit. That is the key to becoming more and more the person that God has called us to be, more and more like Jesus, walking with him daily. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your word today. And um, God, like Paul, we, we know what it means to struggle and to do the things we don't want to do and not do the things that we know we should do and, and to struggle with that. Father, I pray that you would not allow us in that struggle to become complacent or to give up or to stop caring. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would create within us a dissatisfaction with, with the sin in our life, with the struggle in our life. And that your Holy Spirit would, would draw us to a deeper place with you that we become more reliant upon you in the midst of struggle, that we be, become humble before you, that our love for you would grow because of the grace you show us despite our struggle. We thank you, Father. And we pray for your Holy Spirit now to work in each one of us. Help us, Lord, to become people who are marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control help us to die to self and to walk daily with you we ask this through christ our lord amen